Shoo-bop, do-bop, ba-da-ba-do-ba-doo, shoo-bop, do-bop, ba-da-ba-do-ba-doo. Don't take our word for don't take our word for the yeah, 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 yeah. All right, guys. Welcome, welcome back to Don't Take Our Word For It. We are two American, two Korean-American girls. We are American. <laughs> we, we, are, we are. We are. But we're also <laughs> Korean-American. Uh, but we're two girls uh, just trying to navigate the socially relevant, the culturally confusing, and everything in between in, in a way that we know best. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't take, take our, our word for it. it. So, Joanne. Yes, We Michelle. wrapped up two episodes now it's a pretty big deal i'd say i know because we were talking about it maybe a few months back i know and then we just dove in it's just one of those projects where i'm so glad that i like actually followed through with it you know and we made this happen which i i'm like really thankful for i know and i'm learning a lot um through this process just about podcasting in general but also kind of what i like about it Mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of cool it's been really really cool it's been a huge learning experience and i'm really glad that we're we're we have like so many great ideas like we're not short of content you know definitely which i was actually a little bit worried about coming into this entire project Mm -hmm. like i hope we have enough topics like i hope we don't run out of things to talk about but clearly yeah. we don't because our calendar is pretty booked now yeah i'm stoked i'm actually i was actually like the opposite where i, I had like way too many ideas in my head and i have to kind of like narrow it down to what's relevant mm-hmm. and uh what would actually fill up an yeah. entire episode <laughs> so like oh we can't talk about that or maybe we can I don't know. or like we'll blend see. it with something else mm-hmm. but yeah it's been an awesome experience yeah i'm glad that we're doing this and they're i'm so excited for all the topics to come all the guests we have lined up i know super stoked really really excited yes um yeah so i hope you guys are excited as well as listeners because we have a ton of new subjects and topics that we want to dive into mm-hmm. and explore and with unpack, you learn mm-hmm. about stay yeah. tuned and stay tuned um so i don't know if you've been following the news but trump's been making some waves yeah dude um, on the political international front yeah he uh crossed the dmz line yeah so he became the <laughs> first south korea <laughs> into north korea yeah and if uh you guys don't know that's a pretty big deal because north korea and south korea are technically still at war with each other mm-hmm. um so yeah it's, it's a pretty big deal actually and and trump regardless of how you feel about him he mm-hmm. is the first american president since the war mm-hmm. um, to cross over into north korea mm-hmm. um and i heard he had a really nice stroll with kim jong-un mm-hmm. and to talk about sort of international relations there yeah but i uh i kind of i have to give it to trump he pulled a like a kardashian west flex with his yeah (laughs) he totally did i was like dang he called him out and he responded responded in like a couple hours um i thought it was fascinating how like trump was in japan um for the g something yeah and then because he was in the area he just basically hit up kim jong-un and was like hey i'm here you want to meet up or what i'm never too fond of trump's tweets you know because 
I'm like, what is he gonna? What is he gonna say? Just to clarify, what did his tweet say? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna look it up. But basically, it was he was just like, hey, I'm here. If you're down, I'm down. Yeah, that was kind of the gist of his tweet. But it was uh, interesting to see them sort of side by side. And yeah. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm shaking sure, hands. Yeah, and I'm sure they were loving it, though. Loving that media attention. Totally. I saw like a video on YouTube of <laughs> I was probably taken by one of the cameramen um, and it was like number 15 on trending. Yeah, um, and love that. Oh he, yeah, it's crazy. Just like I think the I don't know if she's like in charge of that group, but she was like telling all the cameramen and all the reporters like move, move out of the way, like move. And she's not like whispering this. She's like yelling this. And meanwhile, Kim Jong-un and Trump are just like shaking hands and they're slowly walking for photos and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this is how this is what it looks like. Photo op. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was like a translator there kind of talking between Mm -hmm. uh, or talking on behalf of Trump uh, for uh, to Kim Mm Jong-un. And I was just like listening to the translations and I could tell she was just kind of brushing up some of the <laughs> things he was saying, you yeah. know, I feel like Trump has a, a tendency to kind of ramble yeah, and his sentences aren't complete sentences. Right. And he and, just kind of repeats. The exactly. Same word all, over and over. Yeah. Mm. So she kind of brushed it up a little bit. She cleaned it up for him. Yes. Nice. Nice. Uh, on the spot <laughs> editing. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, apparently he Trump called Kim Jong-un a friend, like not not an old friend, but a new friend. And I was like, oh, and I don't know. I was I was like constantly looking for like reactions on Kim Jong-un's face. But you can't really like read the man. I I can't get a read on him. (laughs) It's an oppressed regime. So (laughs) he seems like he doesn't when you look at him. Or like when you look at his face or the, even the way he talks, yeah. like it's the first time I heard his voice, oh, uh-huh. you know, on that video. Yeah. And I was like, he doesn't seem like some evil, crazy person. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a Korean person, you yeah. know, like a Korean middle-aged man. But um, yeah, it's crazy to think that he's kind of the source of all evil in that country, <laughs> you know. Um, or at least the most powerful guy. So, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this denuclearization talk plan um, goes we'll continue yeah because i think even within our country there's Mm -hmm. a split on that decision if we just want to go aggressive and have them just shut it down immediately but Mm -hmm. it sounded like trump wanted to kind of dabble and and you know explore the possibility of doing a more of a more what would you call it like a slower rollout or Mm -hmm. you know a, a slower shutdown so I mean, we'll see. Yeah. They were saying um, there's like a lot of news sources saying that um, they're assuming that Trump's idea or like the U.S.'s idea of denuclearization and then North Korea's idea mm-hmm. of denuclearization are different. Yeah. No, that's where the contention is. right Yeah. Now. So, I mean, I think he's trying to figure it out, but we'll see. I mean, it's a little bit close to home for us or at least for me because yeah. I have family in South Korea. So, yeah. So do down, I. Then yeah, it go, it's going down. I know. I'm curious to see how this all turns out. Yeah. Well, enough about politics. <laughs> <laughs> this is our creator series. <laughs> so, <laughs> our first, uh, I guess not not episode, but 
topic mm-hmm. for our creator and series. And I'm really excited to bring on our next, our first guest of our series. Uh, I know her pretty well, and she is sitting right here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. That was a bad intro. But you know what? I'm the just going to own, I'm I've just gonna own it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as you guys know, and we've already talked about in our last episode, uh, Joanne, our resident ceramic artist, is here to really enlighten us about what ceramics and pottery is. Yeah. And just to help us get a f- better grasp of what her passion is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so stoked to talk about it because I can talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah. We don't have forever, but let's okay. uh, we'll we figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure we'll it out figure as it we go. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so let's just kind of start with you joanne so how how did you get to this point so just tell me a little bit tell everyone about yourself your journey uh um, up until ceramics yeah like your whole you're a very artistic person mm. for those who don't know um joanne is actually a very artistic person so it's, she doesn't just do ceramics she's doubt she's done multiple things and and you're really great at all those things no mm-hmm. i don't know about that but um, better than me so <laughs> in my eyes you're better and you're great <laughs> um yeah well yes i would definitely say that uh since i was a child um anything creative or artsy has definitely been my forte i think it just came very naturally for me so um like crafts arts and crafts and drawing and everything it was something i always like naturally activities i naturally gravitated towards um my dad's an artist and so i i grew up watching him do art and um he did specifically uh transportation design but he's kind of my parents call him uh they nicknamed him Peck Giver. Peck Giver. Peck Giver. Peck Giver. Yeah, Pek because Gaibo. like McGiver, but yeah. Peck Giver. Korean accent. Peck Giver. Peck Giver. I like it. Yeah, my mom calls him that because he's he basically can do anything. Wow. <laughs> hey. Fix anything, build anything, like design anything. It's just. Yeah, no. What's what's transportation design? I've, this is the first time I'm hearing about transportation it. design. Uh, is the design of any vehicle, so it could be car design. Um, but my dad also uh, designed the metro in oh, Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah, so he helped with that project um, back in the day. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So okay. any any vehicle kind of design. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and so I I grew up with that background and uh i never you know actually officially took art classes Mm -hmm. as a student like when i was a student um i just kind of dabbled in Mm -hmm. like painting or drawing and whatever when my dad would like occasionally teach like private lesson uh private art lessons yeah just like small groups Mm -hmm. of uh kiddos that wanted to learn art Mm -hmm. um he would take them in and he was teaching for a little bit just at our house and I just kind of joined in for a little bit but I don't think that's like uh I wouldn't consider that a formal education Mm -hmm. um and I I guess the most formal education I got about um, anything related to art was when I was preparing for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, one of those things where 
your parents and your friends and school pressures you to figure out what you're going to major in and Mm -hmm. apply uh, as. And I honestly had no clue because that's (laughs) how do you decide that as a high school student? 17. Yeah. And so I was like, "Well, well, I guess I do art well. And so I literally like in a semester busted out a portfolio for my college apps and I went to like art tutor art hagwon like this art academy place every single day after school and on the weekends and just pumped out my portfolio yeah but I think I was pretty blown away and the the academy kind of director was blown away and my parents were blown away that like I just caught on to uh, I was just doing painting and drawing mostly um and I mostly worked with acrylic paint and watercolors, mm-hmm. uh, but just what I could produce uh, with no background, That's cool. you know. And so I was shocked, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, because I think I get it. Like, I get something about how to work with colors, how to work with um, light and shadows. And yeah. And so yes. that comes very naturally for mm-hmm. me. But I I think something my dad said that kind of stuck with me was like, you know, you're you're working with people who've been building up a skill set since they were younger. Um, and, and so for me, I feel like that's the area that which in which I'm lacking mm-hmm. is our skill sets mm-hmm. um, because I haven't taken classes mm-hmm. to build that up. But I like talent wise and just kind of having the eye for certain things, um, I would definitely say that I have. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, you know, I ended up changing my major my second semester Mm -hmm. of freshman year in college because I had no idea about what you can do with art I honestly thought about art and thought oh fine arts like I'm not gonna I don't want to paint for the rest of my life and so I just dropped that and went into theater because acting is definitely one of my other passions and I graduated with a degree in that um, but it kind of came full circle, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, because now I'm at this point in my life where I'm, I'm thinking about going to school for design, yeah. uh, because I think I'm good at it and mm-hmm. I do enjoy it. Um, so I think career wise, I do want to hone into that, but, uh, yeah, ceramics I jumped into because I think, um, several years after college, I, I needed a creative outlet. Um, I needed to get back in touch with that side of myself and I really wanted to officially learn how to work with a medium. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I do like working with my hands. Um, I know I'm good at it. I know I can catch on to it. Um, and I'm actually interested. And so I thought, you know what? Like, I've never tried pottery before. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like popped into my head and I was like, yeah, I know there's that. And so I'm like, why not not just take some classes? And I, uh, just looked up classes in the area and... I've just kind of stuck with it since. Right. So you just yeah. kind of looked it up online. You just searched for I classes. Googled like ceramics, like pottery wow. classes and um, tried to see like what's the best deal that I could find. Mm-hmm. What's in my like price, price range. range. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but how was it? How was it? Your How was your first experience? Oh, throwing? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. So my first experience working with clay was on the wheel um which the potter's wheel is what you would imagine it's you know um on that little machine that turns yeah and uh it was so hard (laughs) oh my goodness it was a lot I knew it was gonna be uh like tricky yeah but man like it took me I went to that private studio in Santa Ana um for several months and I still 
it still hadn't really clicked for me because I was going what, like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that's honestly not enough time for you to really understand. Like you have to pl- practice it like consistently yeah, I mean, to catch on. Yeah. hands on sort of art mm-hmm. medium that I think you just, it, it really is one of those things that you have to practice. Exactly. To get better at. Yeah. It's all about putting in the mileage mm-hmm. for that one. Um, but yeah, I, for several months I had been attending that studio and it still, I was struggling with like what it was supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. I felt like I just couldn't do certain things. Um, centering the clay was a problem for me. I think I kind of understood it because um, the owner of the studio, she kind of helped me feel what centering, uh, what a centered piece of clay feels like mm-hmm. in my hands and in my body. Um, but I just couldn't, I didn't know how to get there myself. Um, so I struggled a little bit and uh, I think I didn't, take classes at that private studio just because it's it is a little pricey mm-hmm. to keep going um and I paused for a bit and then I jumped back in when I got invited to um invited by uh one of the owners of that studio to come to Orange Coast College because he uh is the head professor there for the ceramics mm-hmm. program and so he's like yeah why don't you come and take my classes and I was like okay like I actually want to learn um and it sounds like it's a better deal to go pay a certain amount for right. an entire semester with like especially if it's a, city a whole college. facility you can use yeah, yeah it's, it's i was like i didn't know that city colleges mm-hmm. offered those kinds of resources or at least that one mm-hmm. uh but yeah that's how i got connected to orange coast college and they have a two-year certificate program mm-hmm. and i just i i wasn't really aiming to get a certificate yeah you were probably just looking to audit a yeah. few classes just to get your feet wet exactly yeah but i no but uh yeah I, I i went there and i had been taking classes for a while already so i figured like why not just go all the way and uh it's funny because when i was a freshman uh, in college and as an art major, mm-hmm. I remember taking certain classes and um, there were professors telling us, so yeah, when as you think about your art show at the end of your senior year, like keep these things in mind and your, you know, the periphery of your, uh, in your head. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, at that point in my life, I was like, I don't even want, I don't even care about the senior show. But then I can see excitement yeah. in all the other students' uh-huh. faces. And I didn't understand that. I could not empathize. I didn't, I could care less. And that's why I knew I was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I was yeah. not in the right major okay. at the time. Um, uh, but yeah, I, with ceramics, it's just like a two year program and you do get to do a student show at the end. And I'm coming up to my last semester in the fall. Uh, in this fall and I've been looking forward to this show for a while and so I think timing was um was of the essence yeah yeah um but I'm super excited about it (laughs) and I have like a proposal uh, in mind I have to draft it up but what does that look like what's a proposal for those who might not know you know what uh, Mm. a senior show consists of or a portfolio of any of that but right 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 well for this uh proposal is just some written it's having some kind of um something written down about what your uh, body of work entails and what it's about um what the context is what your inspiration was um just kind of like your vision and your mission kind of um i think for 
this program, I heard that it doesn't have to be as formal as it probably would be for like a four-year program. Um, but I do have ideas in mind for what um, I'm going to do. Wow, I'm excited. I want to yes. know. Yes. And you're obviously invited to my show. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Um, yes. Yeah, guys, if you guys haven't been following us on Instagram, Joanne's handle is actually on there. So definitely check out her work because it's it looks so good. It's, and yeah. on that note, you just wrapped up a show. Yes. Correct. Yes. This past weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so. my first uh, live art event. So what is what what is a live art event? Um, It's pretty, pretty straightforward, <laughs> but <laughs> it's she's alive. And she's doing, doing art, art and you co- in real and time. time and then you just see it. So it's like she's showing you. It's a free show. Uh, that seems a I mean, risky, but I should have had a tip jar. Yeah, honestly, totally. Yeah, it was like free entertainment. It was basically for entertainment. It was, I'm like, OK, so it was really hot <laughs> this weekend. It was so hot. And she's out there on the lawn of some coffee shop throwing or i don't know the terminology yes so throwing some people say turning i think in like <laughs> yeah some people say turning i'm, I'm like, a little oh, bit better i like throwing throwing better. uh and you know we're sipping our coffee you know enjoying our conversations Drinks, and, and i'm like and she's sweating bullets <laughs> get this done um i definitely trying to entertain do people and yeah you're like talking you're talking them up while I you're know. throwing and i'm like i have yeah. to talk while I'm throwing and trying to like figure out what I'm making. No, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, honestly. Um, but it was so incredibly stressful uh, leading up to the event because uh, that's when I had to prepare everything beforehand. Yeah. And I guess this was my kind of debut as mm. um, debut for like my ceramics. Right. Um, I had never showcased my work the, mm-hmm. in the way that I did at, at a place like a sh- like for a show yeah. um, so that was kind of nerve-wracking actually because I didn't know how it was going to be received mm-hmm. um, I mean I had all my work out for purchase like for sale um, and I did I obviously did sell things thankfully yeah. uh, yes. pottery is functional so you can find Girl. a use for it <laughs> um, it's I think it's easier to sell than like paintings because mm-hmm. um, you can use it right away exactly there's that instant gratification there, yeah so. Mm-hmm. so yeah I did sell some things but yeah, it was very nerve wracking leading up to that point because you do have to have like an X amount of stock yeah. ready right. uh, in case you run out of things, you know, yeah. um, and it was a two day event. So Ooh. I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I just knew one of the days it was basically like an all day thing. And the next day it was kind of like a portion of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot that needed to come together. Um But you know what? I'm like, I'm always, I was always that person who loves challenges Mm -hmm. and I feel super accomplished when I am able to, you know, complete the challenge or like, you know, fulfill the requirements. And I'm, uh, I'm more than happy with how that, how it turned out. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Actually, the space was really a lot cooler than I had imagined. Yeah. They have a really nice like patio space, like area with like a deck, a wooden deck Mm -hmm. and, um, some grass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some grass, which yeah. is nice. Always nice with a little grass. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, oh, oh my goodness. I, I think when they asked me, like, well, can you, can I thought I was just going to be a vendor, mm-hmm. like, selling my work. Right. And they're like, well, can you do, like, pottery 
like live. And I was like, oh, and I thought about it. What I, I immediately knew what that would require me yeah. to do, which yeah. is like haul my wheel out there. And you guys, this machine is not a light contraption it's heavy and it's awkwardly shaped and um i don't want it to get messed up because it's my wheel that totally, i invested in it's kind of like an instrument you yeah. know um and there was just a lot there's a lot of things you have to prepare like uh you're where are you going to throw away all the clay water after mm-hmm. i'm not throwing it away like, in their yard you know things that non-ceramic artists exactly would have thought of yeah so like Anything that involves cleanup or transportation, I think people probably don't consider those things mm-hmm. or think about what goes into right. um, being able to do live pottery. <laughs> That's so cool, Joanne. I'm so glad that you did this. Thank live you so art much. Thing. I, yeah, it sounds like I'm you proud learned of myself, a lot. Definitely. Yeah, no, it was a big learning experience. And I think I'm really glad I got to have this because it was kind of like a teaser for um, the OC fair. Ooh, the so OC I'm going to be volunteering for that. Yeah, they always have it like an annual ceramics uh, volunteer opportunity at the for the OC fair. Um, so like if you're if you've ever worked with clay before, you can volunteer and you get a free bag of 25 pounds of clay. Oh, uh-huh, and you get it. to either work on the wheel or hand build um, and just kind of do demos for people who come through the fair. And so I definitely signed up for that this year because it sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, you get free okay. play. So. so it sounds like this, the show that you just did was kind of like a trial run. Yeah, big, it was basically like a little teaser, like a mini version of it. But nobody else is throwing. It's just me. So <laughs> so I have I to do the, all the talking. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so what about ceramics? really drew you to it like what made you stick around and really like you know just on your on a personal level like what 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 does it why why do you why are you attracted to it mm-hmm. what what keeps you yeah keeps you, doing it? you know what's actually interesting is that I wasn't that interested in ceramics oh. at first yeah I I just kind of found it challenging and then I felt like hmm, I don't really know like I'm kind of bored almost like I don't I get it I, I found myself like when I was taking those um classes at the private studio and it had been like month two or three that I had been doing ceramics I was like kind of trying to imagine if this is something that I would want to do for more than you know just a few months to yeah. try it out and I actually couldn't envision envision myself doing it for mm-hmm. longer um I don't know why it, like nothing about it really particularly stood out to me but it wasn't until I started actually taking classes um at Orange Coast College where I really learned certain things like the first class you take is a hand building class so you're not even touching the wheel Mm -hmm. just yet but you do learn um foundational skills uh and techniques for hand building and I'm assuming hand building is what Hand building, pretty yeah, pretty straightforward. Just using any kind of yeah, with your hand, like exactly with tools hand. and just anything not on a wheel. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I actually wish I could. I should practice hand building more Ooh. because I have such a respect for people who do hand build and make things look really nice um, without having to use a wheel and being confined to like the symmetry of what a wheel does for you or that like roundness um but hand building is like basically 3d printing you know yeah it basically uh, is like the old school yeah printing (laughs) yeah i like that you um 
you kind of talked about how it, you didn't you couldn't see a future with it in the beginning mm-hmm. um because it's kind of refreshing to hear that oh you know, really sometimes like you which is you know, it, it's different for everyone but uh-huh. sometimes you pick up uh, uh whatever like music yeah. or painting or drawing and you're like it just it just it was so natural was and i felt be. like this was it and yeah. i just knew um from the minute i picked up the pen that this was you know gonna <laughs> be knew. my passion yeah um but it, it's it was more realistic yeah where you're you tried it out and you were like oh i don't know i don't i like yeah. it it's it's fun but I don't really see a future with it. But my, I'm curious, like, what made you continue? Like, you said you went to classes for it. And, yeah. And that's kind of where that switch turned on. And, yeah. And it really, you learning the the finer techniques to it gave you, like, more insight and and, and you wanted to invest more mm-hmm. into it. But where was that switch? Like, when did you go from, ah, uh, this is, like, a fun hobby to, oh, like, I want to invest my time and energy into mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. What, what, what went on? that time i don't know if it was like um like a moment Mm -hmm. you know i don't think that kind of realization happened in a moment i think it happened over time Mm -hmm. i think it was like a slow gradual love that kind of built over time Mm -hmm. um and i think as i started learning about how certain things were made or what goes into producing certain things Mm -hmm. and i think once i started seeing ceramics that are inspiring to me um and instagram actually is like a huge platform that i use um or just kind of tool that i use to be able to see other people's work Mm -hmm. um internationally and when i got to see uh just some ceramicist work from around the world i was like super inspired and when i learned in school um what those materials are that they're using in it or how they produce that kind of work um i just had like a newfound respect for it Mm -hmm. and so it was from that that i um that this curiosity was born yeah and that that i kept kind of delving deeper into that world you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i don't know anything about ceramics Mm -hmm. so i did try to kind of for this episode specifically uh-huh. i try to kind of look into it a little bit more and get familiar with the yeah. terminology but i want to i want to hear from you um, okay because from me someone who doesn't know anything about ceramics i just know what i like you mm-hmm. know like i'm sure as majority of of people <laughs> that's are, where it starts though right? and like, oh, that's, that's cute i like yeah it. it's important um, yeah but there are different clays and they yes. do different things so if you want to just talk about maybe like brief we say briefly briefly let's <laughs> talk about the history of ceramics <laughs> which materials. we will get to don't worry <laughs> don't worry i will not fail you <laughs> But just um, the, yeah, like the materials, like so. So there are different types of clays. Yeah. So if we want to talk about clay specifically, you know, this is actually something that I would lo- love to learn more about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because even clays have recipes. Uh, so I feel like if you're purchasing clay in the in Orange County mm-hmm. or this er- this part of like Southern California, you're probably purchasing clay from two, one to two major companies that. Um, produce their own clays um, and they have recipes for these clays so yes there is like um, obviously all natural Mm -hmm. uh, ingredients in these clays but it's like a it's like blends of things Um, whereas I feel like if you're talking about you know porcelain Mm -hmm. from China from these like certain areas of Mm -hmm. China that's obviously very different Um, 
and completely natural but yeah if you're purchasing clay from around here it's probably going to be it's it was manufactured by a company okay um there's also clays that fire to different temperatures so there's things like earthenware Mm -hmm. stoneware um those are two different types of clays um and it really does have to do with uh how high you can take that clay up to like the temperature that you can take it up to without it melting um so what's the difference like what mm -hmm. would you say you said you talked about earthenware stoneware and porcelain yeah um what what's different like just really quickly Mm -hmm. what's different about those three things um i'm probably gonna butcher this and we'll cover it in the fact check (laughs) Um, and i i'm sorry to all my fellow ceramic students that i'm failing right now but uh no earthenware um was primarily the type of um i guess clay material that uh people or civilizations used since like long long time ago Mm -hmm. so earthenware actually doesn't fire very high okay Mm -hmm. um stoneware on the other hand Mm -hmm. you can take that up to a lot higher temperatures um and then porcelain obviously is a very i think it's a very like pure type of clay mm-hmm. um i don't know like what it's like molecular makeup right. is necessarily mm-hmm. but it's almost like i i think really nice porcelain almost has this type of like um has more like glass like properties Ooh, to it okay. uh, versus like if you were to look at something that's made mm-hmm. of stoneware mm-hmm. it clearly looks like there's a bit of sand in there or grog okay, so as it's we not call as, it um, like, like you said pure, pure mm-hmm. yeah and um i feel like when you touch it um yeah it, even the sound if you like tap oh. against you know a vessel that's made of stoneware that's uh fired to a certain temperature or porcelain that's Mm -hmm. fired to a certain temperature um it'll make different sounds yeah it's interesting do you have a favorite do you have a favorite clay to work that you work with um i oh so we we break it down into like three ranges of temperatures low fire mid-range and high fire uh clays Mm -hmm. or like that's just kind of like the general range Mm -hmm. uh that we like to um, label things as and um, for me I haven't worked with low fire clay just yet right now at home I'm working with mid-range uh, clay and so um, I have like a small electric kiln which is basically like an oven yeah. for ceramics so cool I've actually never seen one in person oh really like just that small one I've always seen the big ones yeah oh you have one. what kind of kilns have you seen before um, I would not Oh, did it look like it had like a little computer attached yeah, to it? Yeah. Then it's probably an electric kiln. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's like when you plug into the oh, wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so those are electric kilns, and the newest ones are really nice. It's it's almost like a microwave Ooh. where really literally you just kind of press certain settings and it'll do the work for you. Oh, nice. So it's way less maintenance. Um, but that I heard somebody call that fast food ceramics. Ah. Yeah, it's it's I love it. I yeah. love this kind of like you know this. It's Tension, like, you know, yeah, right. In, in the ceramics world, like, ugh, <laughs> that's fast. Food it's just like in the kitchen, world. like people frown upon microwaves. Um, there's nothing wrong with microwaves. There's okay? nothing wrong you with guys. It, I know, use the microwave. I understand. <laughs> yeah, time is of the essence sometimes, and you gotta work with what you got. Can't be cooking all the time. Yeah, you guys. Uh, love bagel bites and i'm not ashamed of that dude yeah costco has this like french bread pizza i cannot get enough of okay 
but anyways yeah no uh what were we talking the kiln yeah, small kiln so i have a small electric kiln and most of your electric kilns are going to be firing to mid-range like Ooh. at the most yeah. and it technically can reach um higher temperatures than that but it's not recommended um because your kiln can get damaged um a lot more quickly mm -hmm. over time yeah and uh, for high temperature clays, um, you can typically fire them in kilns like gas kilns, uh, wood firing kilns, soda ash kilns. And what that is, is basically uh, kilns that are fueled by different things like gas or wood or soda ash. Um, and they create different kinds of uh, effects on your pieces. Ooh, uh -huh. And those kilns, you can manually control the temperature um, up to any temperature you really want, actually. Um, it's just that it can go up to a higher range of temperatures. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy how much science is behind. Yeah, absolutely. Behind it's almost like uh, everything actually is about observation and experimenting and note-taking mm. and so i feel like the whole process is actually very scientific yeah mm -hmm. I, that's really interesting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so to someone like me who is a complete noob mm -hmm. um did you want to do like a quick walkthrough of what that process looks like from start to finish of, of creating like something yeah okay so uh just to do a i guess a quick breakdown mm -hmm. um you can either you start with your clay um you can measure it out in according to weight is how we like to measure um so maybe i have like one pound of clay um Typically, we prepare the clay before we do anything with it, just so that the clay is homogenous mm -hmm. and there's no like air bubbles okay. trapped inside. Yeah. Um, if you're working on a wheel, you definitely want to get those air bubbles out. Same thing with if you're hand building, but you just um, prepare the clay by what we call wedging it. Okay. So wedging Wedge. is kind of the action of kind of um, like kneading. as if you were kneading. Okay. Yeah, you would knead yeah, dough. Okay, okay, I see. Mm -hmm. I see where you're going. You kind of work yeah. the clay a little bit um, so that everything is homogenized and then you can throw on the wheel or you can hand build um, and then you'll have your your form and then you have to kind of wait there's a next step that you can do um, which is typically the trimming portion if you would like to trim it if you're working on the wheel this is where you kind of edit uh, your piece mm -hmm. um, so you get to shave off um, like by layers um, pieces around or not pieces but you get to yeah shave off layers uh of the starting from the bottom of the cup or okay. the bottom of the piece okay. um and then you kind of work your way in so it's like so it's, it's basically a, like an editing process yeah, so it's, it, it, the clay at least um in volume probably dramatically decreases as you're going mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. so you do cut a lot of clay off and then you can recycle okay. the clay that you cut off um but yeah so you have to wait a little bit for the clay to get um it's it's you know right off of the wheel right after you worked with it it's probably too wet um but give it some time to get to the stage where you call leather hard um and it just feels like what it's called um it's not too dry and it's not too wet mm -hmm. um, and then you can work with it a little bit more finalize any uh anything that you need to do to edit it and then you uh, throw it into the first firing after the clay is completely dry. Okay. So we call it bone dry. Bone dry. Mm -hmm. So when there's zero moisture left inside the clay, you can throw it inside the first firing. Um, 
which we call the bisque firing. And so that's the process where your piece uh, hardens and um, it's when it comes out of that first firing, um, it's still going to um, be able to absorb water. If you like pour water into whatever vessel mm. you have, it'll leak out okay. eventually. Um, and then after that first firing, we call it bisqueware. Um, you can throw any kind of glaze that you want on it if you do want to put glaze. Uh -huh. Um, and then after you apply glaze to it, uh, you throw it into the second firing, which is the glaze firing. And this is the firing where it's like it you never know what to expect. Ooh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like Christmas. Oh, okay. Kind of like a, a gamble a uh -huh. little bit. Christmas is like a nice way to put it. I guess it is. <laughs> no, but it is like yeah. Christmas because you can't Ooh, wait to see, okay, uh, okay, okay, you know, okay, see I it come see. out of the kiln. But um, I feel like I get more consistent results with my electric kiln than mm -hmm. a gas kiln. Uh -huh. um, makes sense, you know, because uh, there's just a lot more variables when okay. it comes to gas firing would you say like as an artist um mm -hmm. like do other ceramic artists kind of experiment with that yeah kind of unpredictability of a gas kiln i think so i think um you kind of this is why it's important mm -hmm. uh if you're not trying to just do this as a hobby yeah. or you know i think the, what a lot of fast food ceramics mm -hmm. uh people who do i guess quote unquote fast food ceramics are the people who don't really care for or understand the process that goes behind or the science that goes behind um, ceramics. And it's basically gotcha. the foundation mm -hmm. of all of it mm -hmm. um, because you have to understand, you know, what the variables are in certain firings. Um, a lot of times if you do go to a studio and you're making work, um, what you end up doing is you make something on the wheel or with your hands and then you throw it on a shelf and then somebody will take that and put it in a kiln for you, take care of the firing for you, and then they'll just bring it, take it out and put it on a shelf for you again, ready for you. So all you ever see is your piece on a shelf. Oh, like, like color me mine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So just go, you pick your, your pick, you know. Mm -hmm. your cup and color it yeah so it's like a really like convenient <laughs> way to go about it i suppose yeah. and and ceramics is very convenient without all without having to know all of the Got deets mm -hmm. about the uh, science behind it um but i think it's important to know if you are wanting to get into it deeper and okay. like have a have a deeper appreciation for yeah. it i suppose cool. yeah okay i think that separates the hobbyists from the the artist the artist yes so uh, so now that we're on that topic of an artist mm -hmm. uh, what would you say your approach is to ceramics do you have do you feel like you have a certain style or are you i mean i'm sure you're still kind of discovering yourself yeah. and, I'm, and i'm assuming because this is true for anyone mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you're evolving as you learn more as you experience more and mm -hmm. it translates into your work but is there something that you feel like is 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 very specific to you and your style mm, you know i think for a very long time i was struggling to find an aesthetic mm -hmm. like a personal aesthetic yeah. um i i felt like that was my goal like finding what my aesthetic mm, is or discovering okay. what that is and it was really frustrating and i didn't really get anywhere with that um but i found that when i kind of changed my mentality to one where it was just simply about learning mm -hmm. um and just 
enjoying the process or just trying to practice and be consistent with my forms um, or certain certain skills, um, I felt like the aesthetic just kind of naturally followed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it's about seeing what you like that's out there. Like I, I love um, Japanese pottery mm-hmm. um, and their aesthetic. I think it's, it just jives with me um, naturally. And I do really like um, Korean ceramics as well. They're both very different. Okay. Um, they have very different aesthetics, but I feel like both of them appeal to me in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, so this past semester in school, I explored both okay. um, How, techniques yeah. of like yeah. both types of pottery. And I was just going to ask, mm-hmm. what, what are the differences between Japanese and Korean pottery? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the main what's what sticks out to you to be the big difference? I guess um, those are also very like broad swaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, sure once, if we get into the details, exactly. there's a lot to uncover. But yeah, just like, you know like real real general yeah so with japanese pottery i think the aesthetic that i'm drawn to is the very like organic looking uh forms um yeah so the forms look like they were literally pulled out of like a lava rock Mm -hmm. or you know the ground or stone okay so yes it looks very natural most likely it was probably wood fired um which gives it that um very rustic natural Mm -hmm. look um in Korean ceramics, at least traditional Korean cer- ceramics, and actually, when I look at a lot of um, modern contemporary ceramicists in Korea and their work, uh, it's just a very simple, um, clean, and pure-looking mm. uh, aesthetic. And so, uh, yeah, I think Korean pottery always was very, like, uh, what's modest-looking, mm-hmm. um, and it looked. Uh, unless it had to do with highly decorative things like um funerary items Mm, or incense burners or like things that were decorative for nobles or people of a higher Mm -hmm. class i feel like with korean ceramics when i Mm -hmm. look at it it, they took a lot of pride in the technicality like yes just Mm -hmm. the the like mastering of like one singular piece yeah so uh, korean potters are actually famous for being as technically proficient as you can get Mm, like yeah they they've got it down to Mm. a t if you look at just even a book uh, of korean ceramics or look it up on google uh, everything is done by hand and i don't quite know if they had the technology of a wheel at the point Mm. um if they did uh it would it was probably a kick wheel mm-hmm. um which is you know before they had the electric pedal mm-hmm. uh you would have to literally kick with your foot mm-hmm. to have this okay. like thing spinning um mm-hmm. and keep that momentum yeah. going and they used that cent- centrifugal force to okay. um help them out but yeah uh their pieces are incredible and the attention to detail is insane yeah yeah i replicated actually an incense burner from the 12th century korea and uh that in itself was like an endeavor you know yeah, it, looks so, it like defies gravity almost yeah the inside is hollow i wonder if we can like show i wish i could show a picture but it's it's 
you can see through it. Yes. You know, so it's hollow. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's like a spherical, it looks so beautiful. Yeah. It's like a, um, it's if you guys dainty. want to see what we're talking about, it's actually, I, I have an incense burner, um, that I made this past semester up on my Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is just my name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's basically a very close replica of a, a 12th century Korean incense wow. burner. Yeah. And just trying to recreate it, I learned so much and I'm so glad that I chose to do that for my project. Mm-hmm. Um, our project was simply make an incense burner and I don't know why I decided to do that. Um, I think it's because I went to San Fran. Um, that was the trip that I went to yeah. SF MoMA oh, and yes. I stopped by, blue, yeah, yeah my goodness those paintings um but uh we stopped by green apple i don't know if you've heard of that uh it's kind of like a thrift bookstore like a used bookstore Mm -hmm. and i just i was thinking in my head it would be amazing if i could find like a korean ceramics book specific yeah and i went to the uh art section Uh, yeah and uh, there was just like all these different tabs for international uh-huh. books or like uh, different countries. And I saw like Asia and I went there and then I saw like Japan, China and those sections, China, that section was like extensive. I'm sure, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And j- even the Japanese art uh, shelves were like extensive. And then I saw Korean art or Korea yeah. and it was like this sliver of space. <laughs> and I'm like well of course you know um and there were maybe like three to four Korean art books and one of them happened to be specifically about Korean ceramics um and I like I I died I obviously purchased it um and I studied it very closely. Oh. At least just the images. I haven't read through the whole thing just I like yet. That. It's like yeah. very serendipitous. Like I was just like, meant what? To find that. I know. I was so I happy like to that. find that. And uh it was exactly what I wanted, exactly mm. what I was looking for. Um and I the incense burner was in there, yeah. like a picture of it. Ooh. And so I was like inspired mm. and I figured, you know, why not try it out and see if I can make something of this. And I love challenges. Yeah. And so I took on took it on and uh it turned out yeah. amazing it looks pretty dope that's, <laughs> yeah that's it shocked me i, I can't believe it, it turned out as good as it did <laughs> and i've noticed too like on your business card um mm-hmm. that you were handing out at your at your art show yeah um that you put your korean name yeah you know, and i just I, I like that i like that you're really just kind of i don't know if you want to continue like you know i don't you know i don't know where your brand is going mm-hmm. but and it's totally fine to not have a set path right now right, but right. I, I i thoroughly enjoy you really pressing into your korean heritage yeah uh, i think the reason why i decided to go with that I, I was struggling for a long time to think of like a name for myself or like my work because i just didn't want it to be like some random name studios or yeah. like some random yeah. name ceramics or pottery and mm-hmm. um i thought about it for a while and I just wanted it to be work by done by me because yeah. I I think I'm an artist that doesn't just want to work with one medium mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. I do absolutely love ceramics and I do want to see how far I can take that and go with it. But I also am so curious to learn about other mediums too. Yeah. And so I think that's why um, I wanted to 
make a brand yeah not make a brand that would limit me to some in some capacity Mm -hmm. or in some way shape or form so I stuck to my name and um for whatever reason I feel like I connect most with um I connect deeply with my Korean heritage Mm -hmm. um and so I decided to do my name in Korean which is actually kind of funny because I hated that my parents didn't pick a Korean name for me oh yeah they never picked a name for me but they picked one for my younger brother and that's so funny yeah I was like why did you never get around to it with the first kid let's do it right for the second one for those of you who don't know like naming your kid in Korea is like it, it's, a, it's, it's a it's a thing yeah because there's thing. like meanings attached yeah, to and, each and a character lot of Korean families they have like either the first or their second like character yeah like, flow down generations mm-hmm. so there's like a tie yeah something, it's very significant it's yeah not a haphazardly thrown yeah together word and you know obviously like just because your parents or whoever gave you a name doesn't mean it defines yeah, you. Yeah, it's, exactly, it's just like exactly. a little, you know, it's a tradition and it's a cultural thing. But I think growing up, there was always a, definitely a part of me as a kid. Like that was sad that I didn't have a cool like meaning and a name. My name was straight up like spelled just how it's phonetically Joanne. pronounced like Chul and like that's <laughs> my Korean name. And I was like all sad about that. But I think I, um, I don't know how I came to to this point but i was like oh you know that's cool like who else spells their name like that yeah. like and i do know korean joannes you yeah. know but they do have a korean name and uh i don't think I, like joanne is their english name exactly and they have, and a, they have a korean, korean name. name yeah but uh i don't know i just, i found it to be unique and i kind of wanted to embrace it for whatever reason mm-hmm. so i made that my um logo and I my like, stamp yeah Oh, I think that's why. Uh, Now that I'm thinking about Uh it, um, the stamp I've hand carved a stamp that I impress into all of my Mm -hmm. pieces, like onto the bottom. And that one, I was trying to figure out like a signature. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to just like write my name. Yeah. Um, at first I was just writing handwriting Chul N, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to make a stamp, and I had a certain image in my head. Mm And so I carved a stamp that says Chuen in Korean mm-hmm. uh, characters. And so that's, I guess my logo did come from that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's awesome. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. but I like that it's spelled in Korean characters, like uh-huh. alphabet and Korean alphabet, uh-huh, uh-huh. but it's your English name yeah. because you don't have a Korean name. Yeah. But there's, it's very personal. Like that's a funny story and that's something that's very unique to you. Yeah. And like we talked about how Koreans like have this really rich history in ceramics Mm -hmm. and they're very like, they're all about refinement and Mm -hmm. it's not about what you see right away, but there's, there's something behind, behind this modest looking ceramic or this piece. Mm -hmm. There's this years of, uh, of, of experience and, yeah. and, and like technical skill. And I don't know, like when I saw your logo, that's mm-hmm. kind of what my mind was linking it really? to. Really? Yeah. I just felt that's like, wow, this so is cool. so classy. Like, I just felt like this is very unique and it's your name. And yeah. it's like, I don't, I've never seen that kind of like logo, I guess before, but yeah. um, I like, I, for some reason, I think because I knew, I know, I knew a little bit of Korean ceramic yeah. history. And so I kind of made that, connection with i i thought it was super dope and really classy and oh I that's super it. encouraging to hear from somebody who does like graphic design <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> i'll take it yeah, so good. yeah. <laughs> um 
Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it appeals to you. Like, I feel like I've had a positive response about my mm-hmm. name being, yeah. you know, that stamp being my logo. Yeah. But yeah. How does it feel to be um, like a Korean American in, in the ceramics world? Like, do you feel mm. like it's very... It's interesting. I don't see I don't see a ton of mm-hmm. Korean American people doing ceramics. Mm-hmm. I have seen some, yeah, uh, but not to the level of, I guess, like apprenticeship or mm-hmm. like where or ceramics or pottery is like their way of life. Yeah. Um, I can only maybe count. I've I've on Instagram. Yeah, I've connected with maybe like two or three mm-hmm. people who are living in america and do ceramics or pottery they're korean and they're doing ceramics or pottery as like a way of life or oh, wow. this is their yeah. thing you know exactly and they're practicing and, and you know what's funny all their forms are uh are korean forms mm. yeah but so also they do like a little yeah. variation to it mm-hmm. or their own twist to it so I, I find that interesting that like koreans are very attached to their um heritage or their culture yeah that as their Mm -hmm. identity you know i I relate to that you know that's so cool yeah Yeah, and i like that you're connecting with them or like trying to i know i'm always like commenting i'm like dude your work's so cool (laughs) please please respond (laughs) i want to i want to meet you you know yeah that's so that's so cool yeah now i'm curious Uh um uh, are there any potters or ceramic artists that you you follow or you you really admire? I guess Instagram would be basically uh, where I follow most of my mm-hmm. uh, most people yeah. who do ceramics. Um, and I do I do have I'm a fan of um, some local potters oh, okay. around Orange County. So like uh, people that I know in person. Um, there's a guy, one of my classmates, his name is Joe, Joe Lee Ceramics. Um, but he, he's he been doing ceramics for a lot longer than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's just has his technique down. Mm-hmm. And he, when it comes to glazing, glazing is not easy mm-hmm. uh, because it just doesn't come out, like especially if it's not glazing that you're doing at home, yeah. if you're working in like a bigger capacity or larger capacity, mm-hmm. um, glazing is really tricky to get it right. Okay. And it's a lot um, of trial and error. Exactly. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the and to see, like try, try to figure out what glazes go well together, like combinations and things like that. Mm-hmm. It does take a little bit of trial and error, but Joe just does a really good job of picking the ones that go together mm-hmm. and um, making it look uh, really good on his pieces and that's honestly something like a skill that you need to dial into yeah. I, in my opinion mm-hmm. that d- doesn't come easily um there's also a artist uh, also a, a classmate of mine tim fetterman and um i'm such a fan of his work his uh he's definitely got his aesthetic nailed down and a lot of his um cups bowls anything anything that he makes looks just really organic and sometimes abstract Mm. um it looks very rustic and kind of broken and um weirdly shaped Uh but um the way he glazes it and everything it looks very uh natural and interesting it almost looks like it's like an artifact Mm -hmm. and um all his pieces look unique so not one piece looks like the other and that's why i really appreciate his work um 
as for his pieces being functional i think he definitely makes some pieces that are more functional than others um i think he does have pieces that are more decorative Mm -hmm. uh but i appreciate those too so those are like people that i know in person that i really love um there are people on instagram that i follow that i uh have a respect for um talking about korean american Mm -hmm. potters i don't know if he's korean american i know he's korean though um but on instagram his handle is dave kim the potter Mm -hmm. and he's over in brooklyn i think he just opened his own studio called for fourth wheel studio or something um and he works on he's like most well known for making the korean uh moon jar Mm. so it's like those big round vessels that you see um and so he's just i feel like he's got that nailed down and he's kind of rocking it over there on the east coast and i um yeah i'm a fan from afar Mm -hmm. um there's also uh a japanese ceramicist named uh, akira satake i think um and he's just this older grandpa looking dude but oh man that whole like organic japanese um aesthetic that i was talking about where it looks like it's like a lava rock yeah in a cup form uh-huh. or bowl form that's literally what his look work looks like and i think he wood fires almost all wow. of his stuff but i am such a huge fan i i was very close to buying uh tickets to bali uh Ooh, last bali. last summer because he was planning on doing a workshop like in a bali mm-hmm. and oh. i was like oh my god i want to go meet this person and like learn from him but nah that's too too uh spontaneous <laughs> did not work out next time you know maybe someday time. uh but yeah and then there's like there's so many uh that i could name but if you guys are curious at all or if you'd love to know um follow me or you know see me on instagram and i'll always be posting yeah. some sort of thing i'm inspired by that's so cool. yeah nice that's cool um and so as you were talking i was thinking like these are very like these are unique pieces. These are uh-huh. all like handmade pieces. And I just want to get your take on like mass produced ceramics. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like they're uh, like, obviously with home decor, that's always, you know, I feel like home decor is a, a rising, it's a big industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like there are like pieces that people really want, like very unique pieces that people want in their homes. But yeah. It's kind of, there's just so many cheaper options out right, there. Right, right. So there's sort of this like, con- not conflict, but I don't know. I just want to like get your yeah. take on it, pick your brain about that kind of topic. Um, you know, if you even feel like there's an oversaturation of, of you know, ceramic art mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in general. Like, yeah. Where, where can you carve out a niche for yourself? You know, like things like that. Like, it's, I just want to get your take on it. Yeah, I think uh production pottery as we call it Mm, is uh very difficult it's labor intensive Mm -hmm. uh and you need a full-fledged studio to be able to do it successfully in Mm -hmm. my opinion um because a lot of private studios um at least in this area and i'm sure anywhere else Mm -hmm. they don't appreciate when you fill up their kiln space with you know hundreds of your cups when there are other people who need to be using that kiln space as well Mm -hmm. um and it's for your personal business you know and Mm -hmm. so usually there's like an agreement with studios about how much like square feet or like just how much space you're allowed but i've heard um from people who've 
stay within those limits, but still kind of get in, you know, kind of get in trouble a little bit because they are mass producing. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I, you know, when I, when I look at that, I'm like, dang, that is a skill in itself because that's what pottery was long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was, it, there, you know, were obviously, um, funerary items. I think most things are like funerally or like funerary or ritual, mm-hmm. um, kind of sculptures or pieces or vessels yeah. that were made. But, um, for the everyday person, pottery was just about like having a bowl or some sort of container to hold mm-hmm. your liquid yeah. or your grains or, you know, food in. And so it, it or your perfume or mm-hmm. things like that. And um, it was just it was about function. And so it makes sense when to me I see a potter and they're working in production mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I don't know, that makes sense to me. Um Obviously, we're at a different, we're in a different time right. um, and machines and yeah, can do a lot of what, of what we can do. And I think uh, what we call slip casting is available now and 3D printing where it makes um, mass producing one form a lot easier. But I think, yeah, there is obviously value in people who value uh, like unique handmade mm-hmm. items uh, more yeah than like what you can find at like your local target in the home goods section you know Mm -hmm. and yeah it is in it is kind of hard to compete with that um and i think it does depend on where you live in the world Mm -hmm. and where you live in the u.s um or even in california i think there's different appreciations for uh crafts like craftsmen and Mm -hmm. their work yeah but at least in orange county i think is it is more difficult Mm -hmm. to compete with prices like where you can walk into a target and and walk into the home goods section and see a mug that's pretty cute you know yeah. pretty trendy it is designed very well like mm-hmm. not to knock the designers that have you know worked on that design mm-hmm. um but it's priced a lot cheaper than you know my handmade right, mug right. um and uh, we can talk for hours about pricing too and mm-hmm. like the dilemma there uh but yeah, it, so I would say when it comes to mass producing, I I see value in it because I do think that's um, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, I think pottery and production come hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, but I also do see like value in handmade things because there's a lot of intention there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so that's where I fall. I personally, I could not imagine myself mass producing. I don't yeah. want to be a production mm-hmm. potter. Okay. Um, I don't like meeting quotas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it stressed me out enough to try and build up a stock for, <laughs> for this, this event. <laughs> past event um, and for the OC fair that's yeah. coming up. Uh, I like making things at my leisure. Yeah. And I like doing custom orders mm-hmm. like um, and I don't know it, totally. because it's that's I don't want, want to ruin what I enjoy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Um, and it's just a difference, like you said, of what that person's looking for. If you're just looking for something yeah. to hold your coffee in in the morning, then, you know, you could just go to Target, get something cute mm-hmm. for like $15. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for something really unique, something yeah. that you know no one else has and it's and it has that intentionality and yeah. it has that kind of uh, meaning behind it uh, and you have like a more of an emotional connection to it, yeah. I think then, you know, then you could then the value can sky go skywards you know exactly and i think you know why not support somebody 
who has made something with their hands versus yeah. like a company, a big company, you know, yeah. like Target. Like, yeah. and I mean, we can also talk for hours uh, yeah. about the ethics behind right. mass production and the ethics of of supporting, you know, like large, large, you know, companies, and manufacturers yeah, like that. But mm-hmm. um, that maybe for another time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because <laughs> I could talk about that for a really long forever. Time. Maybe some other episode we shall. <laughs> <laughs> dig deep into that yeah um but okay so what are you currently working on right now like what are some things that you are pl- like i know you're right now preparing for the oc fair yeah um and i'm sure you're kind of burnt out from like just <laughs> the past event yeah i but- know yeah, definitely uh well okay so i have some things uh that i'm thinking of right now uh i am making some prototypes for prototype cups for like a local coffee shop mm-hmm. um so i think what's different when you're w- working with an actual like let's say coffee shop mm-hmm. is that they work with um certain specifications mm-hmm. like their drinks are right. a certain number of ounces and so i need to make my cups um accommodate to that um uh, like yeah so i need to make my cups accordingly to the ounces mm-hmm. and i think that's been it's been a challenge because uh, clay shrinks. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it shrinks, I think, 14% was the oh, number. Okay. Uh, that's a lot, actually. Yeah. And I uh, that percentage might be wrong when it comes to this specific kiln. Mm-hmm. But my, when I'm making it on the wheel, like a cup, let's say, uh, it looks like a so great big. size. Oh, it's okay. just like, like perfect. This is, like this this is great. Yeah. And then it comes out of the... It goes in the... It dries... And then it goes in the kiln twice. And by the time it comes out, it's like it's shrunk so much that it's a lot smaller than what I <laughs> thought it was going to be. And so it's a trial and error thing, too. Yeah. And I'm sure there are there are ways to measure that. So I am keeping track of it. Mm-hmm. But right now I am making some prototype cups for a coffee shop just to see um, if they want to partner with me or not. Um, and then I'm also working on just kind of thinking about what my next semester for school is going to be, um, because, uh, I'm going to be preparing for my student show. And so I feel like I have a good under a good idea of what I'm going to be doing. I think I'm going to definitely, uh, tie in Korean ceramics, explore that, but also do some pieces that are inspired by, uh, Japanese, the Japanese aesthetic as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to kind of try and make it work together. Like, um, those look very different. Um, but I kind of want to see if I can marry the two, um, aesthetics Mm -hmm. within one body of work. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be really cool. That'd yeah, be a cool story to tell, actually. Yeah, and I, uh, I think I, I don't know that I don't know if it can be done, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I like it. You're in yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. So if if you if you met like a an aspiring ceramic artist, uh huh, or if you're like interested, if or you're curious. interested, uh, you know, do you have any insider tips, things that you've learned uh-huh. along the way that you wish, you know, someone told you early yeah. on? I know like everything is a discovery, mm-hmm. like everyone's journeys their own, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. Aside from that, uh, you know, what are some tips or maybe even some misconceptions that mm-hmm. you, um, that, that, that you broke from or like mm-hmm. myths that you broke? Um, for me, I would say if you're uh, interested in ceramics, do it. Mm. Um, It's just one of those things uh, 
that I want to tell everybody to try at least once before they die. <laughs> um, kind of like acting. Ooh, yeah. Um, but I think it's just an experience that is unlike any other. Um, it really connects you to your body. Uh, and I, I actually wrote like a blog post about mm. this one time, I think. But any activity that connects your mind and your body, I think is a gift Mm. because I think we go throughout our day. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, um, now, you know, a typical like modern day person's lifestyle, at least in like a very developed part of the world, um, you're on the go, like it's inevitable. And so you're either always in your head or you're always moving Mm -hmm. and, And I feel like the activities that are able to connect your mind and your body and kind of sync it together Mm -hmm. are the ones that you kind of want to tune into and you learn a lot from Mm. can be very therapeutic, um, very meditative uh, and healing. And so um, aside from like working out, which is one of the activities that I found out like does connect my mind and Mm -hmm. my body, um, pottery is one of those things. Acting is also one of those things, but pottery is obviously completely different. Um, and I think it really brings awareness to how you are moving your body or positioning it. Mm. Um, and it's very uncomfortable at first. Like, for example, like when you're learning how to throw or when yeah. you learn, when you're first learning how to work with clay, you'd think that, uh, because, uh, because, you know, you've dabbled with Play-Doh before. It's mm. not that big of a deal, but no, like wait till you, um, feel the different kinds of clay in your hand, yeah. um, because they feel different, like one clay from another, you, you almost have to get used to it. Like for me, I have to spend a good amount of time getting used to a clay before I'm able to really work with it well, mm-hmm. um, because its properties are different from other clays mm-hmm. that I've worked with. Like that's like, it's like you're dating the clay. Exactly. Like so it's, it's a it. very intimate process. Like, I don't know what you're going to look like after a few rounds of firing, yeah. but you know, let's get to know each other. Yeah. Same with glazes, <laughs> same with the kiln, same with the wheel. Like, like it's that. all very, yeah. The, even with wheels, like I remember in class, like um, always sticking to the same few wheels or mm-hmm. if one wheel or something, if yeah. I, that wheel's not available, then I'll go to this one because all the wheels feel different. You know, they're yeah. calibrated differently and okay. whatever. So um, yeah, if you're just starting out, I would say, or if you're curious or you're interested or you want to get back into it, do it because it's so worth it to me. Um, even if it's just a hobby or something you dabble in, I think um, there's something you'll walk out having learned something experienced something or just kind of um I don't know I think you walk out from it differently it's an experience in my opinion I feel like you go in thinking that you're gonna mold the clay yeah molds you yeah (laughs) (laughs) you betcha and it molds you yeah isn't that ironic wow 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 my mind is blown so deep much deep (laughs) I'm kind of being serious though but such depth (laughs) New uh, new ceramics could be such a yeah spiritual experience. I wow. know, right? Cool. Well, yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I, oh, I would also like to add that yeah. if you're planning, if this is like something that you're looking into, like pottery is more of a hobby. There are great options out there. Like, um, you don't need to go and purchase a wheel because it is very expensive. <laughs> uh, you do not need to go purchase a kiln. In fact, I found out that owning a kiln is like a privilege. Ooh, not a lot of yeah. people have kilns yeah, yeah. or have yeah, um, the accommodations to have mm-hmm. a kiln in their living space. Mm-hmm. Um, I thankfully 
do have the right accommodation, at least for the small kiln that I have right now. So I'm able to fire my own work at home. Mm -hmm. But I know my friend Joe, who's been doing ceramics for like a decade, he does not have a kiln. And um, he always tells me like, you're one step ahead of me, you know. And he's like, you're doing it. And I'm like, every time he says that, I feel bad uh-huh. because I'm like, you've been doing this forever. But I I feel like when I was making my purchases, mm-hmm. at least I considered them investments. Yeah. Like, Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I was like, I it makes more sense for me to buy a kiln first mm-hmm. than a wheel mm-hmm. because at least I can still hand build stuff or make stuff right, elsewhere. Right. But how are you going to fire it, you know, and you need a kiln for that. So to me, um, I wanted to purchase a kiln first, which is what I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking of, yeah, if you're thinking of doing this as a hobby, please check out, you know, your local studios. Mm -hmm. There's probably a private studio somewhere nearby. Um, if you're living in anywhere in Southern California, I know Long Beach and Long Beach, at least if you're living further, you know, up, Orange County, uh, or it's it's in LA County. So yeah, further up Southern California in Long Beach area, there's like studios there. If you're more in like Southern OC, there's a few studios down there too. Your local college might be, they might have a ceramics program available that you can learn from. Um, there might be local potters that have their own studios that they might be doing workshops, mm-hmm. but there's always opportunities. And typically the ceramics community is very like welcoming and willing to teach and share um, information so if you look for it you'll find it um I also think that if you're looking towards like ceramics is more of a a lifestyle Mm -hmm. you're thinking more seriously about it then I would say go to school like go to school as in um you don't need to do like a bachelor's bachelor's program Mm -hmm. necessarily but um if your community college or something has like a resource it's like a nice way to dip your toes and uh learn a little more than what you might learn at like a workshop okay Mm -hmm. got it nice thank you yeah Yeah, for sure these are good tips yeah and just like, uh, well, like one last thing yeah, I'd like to yeah. add, I, you know, um, I think when people think of ceramics, I think they think it's like, it's simple or easy or not too complicated mm-hmm. to produce like a cup or a bowl yeah. or something like that. Um, but I, I feel like something that the general public needs to know <laughs> is that uh ceramics doesn't come out of like an easy bake oven Mm -hmm. you know there's a there is a long process um that people need to go through to make a quality piece Mm -hmm. um and you know what like you can't uh, I see like some of the pieces how long it takes me to make certain pieces of mine and I'm like no I can definitely practice and get faster at Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um because I know people who do make better products faster, you know, Mm -hmm. if they figured it out, um, how to produce that more efficiently. Uh, but overall it's still a very laborious process. Um, so I think when people, you know, say like, Hey, like, why is that price that way? Or, you know, can you just, can't you just do this or whatever? It's just, it's like with any art Mm -hmm. and, and you saying that to an artist, like, there's a lot more that goes into something than you can mm-hmm. than you think right and it's not simple and it's very time consuming especially with ceramics um mm-hmm. because the firing typically takes about 12 hours yeah yeah and that's just one session exactly exactly yeah so the bisque firing the first firing process it uh it takes a little bit longer actually 
um, because uh, you need to ramp up the temperature a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, if you amp- ramp up the temp too, too quickly, uh, the water, any kind of leftover water inside the clay can uh, explode, actually. Oh. So I've had many pieces explode, explode. Uh, in my kiln uh-huh. because I ramped up the temp a bit too quickly. Um and so there's like a certain temperatures you need to watch for, like yeah. up until maybe like 200 something degrees. Uh, that's the point that water, um, I think not evaporates, but, but um, I'm like forgetting the word, but um, yeah, that's like the temperature you need to hit very slowly. And mm-hmm. then after that, you can start raising the temperature a lot okay. higher, okay. Um, faster. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like typically a firing will take at least half a day. So it, it takes a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And these are all things that, yeah, I think people who just are, are just consuming the product, right. they, they don't really think about um, the process behind it. But yeah. yeah. It's really interesting to hear it because then you really know yeah. like the pains of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't. Oh, I, I, my appreciation for ceramics actually really grew after I started firing out of my own kiln mm. because then I started realizing when I went to school that my eyes were like completely opened and I had a new respect mm. for the whole process because I think even when you go to school, like if you've ever taken a ceramics class in high school, Probably what you end up doing is like you put your work on a shelf and then you come back to school the next day and it's ready for you. Mm. It's ready to go. Um, the firing and all that, like all you need to do is apply the glaze. All you need to do is make the thing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the process of actually making it um, into yeah. like what mm-hmm. it is at the end product, like the important pro- parts of the process, um, you just kind of skip it you know and even in like uh i feel like if you go to a four-year program for ceramics you absolutely will have to (laughs) you know know how to fire your work Mm -hmm. um but typically most people don't know how to do that and um i think my appreciation for ceramics absolutely uh grew after i understood oh i had to sit i had to stay at home for like half the day the entire time like watching my kiln even though it is like an electric kiln mm-hmm. um no but i still need to stay by it and make sure it's going well um so i'm not like throwing my stuff in there and then you know just leaving the house and hanging out with people for the rest of the day no yeah. i i actually have to stay home every time i do a firing mm-hmm. And watch the whole process um, just to check that it's going well, you know. Yeah, that's that's intense. Yeah. You, know, you don't really think about that mm-hmm. when you're looking at that. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you really just, I, I'm sure we only brushed the top yeah. of, of Scratch it. Scratch the surface. <laughs> of, of ceramics <laughs> and pottery. But I do have one burning question. Yes. Um, You know, in the movie Ghosts. Yes. There's one particular scene. Uh-huh. I'm curious if if that is even possible. I I don't even, What scene are you referring to? You know when Patrick Swayze comes right behind Demi Moore. Uh-huh. <laughs> embraces her as a ghost. Yes. <laughs> they just just uh it's 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 a very it's a very romantic scene, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> Does he like put his hands on her hands? Yeah, and then they just start making i mean she's you know throwing yeah and I'm does it actually that, look good i don't i don't remember i it's 
<laughs> I'm just curious if that's even like possible. Like, because I let me tell you, I've actually never seen that movie. Oh. People always make that reference to me and I just smile and nod. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, I've definitely YouTube heard of that. that. I really should. But I'm kind of like scared to see it now because I'm like, is this corny? Is this going to ruin pottery bit, for me mean, like you know, forever? It was, the, it was the 80s or early 90s. Oh, those good days. Yeah, the good, good old days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just curious if that's even like possible. possible you know? Like, like you know what? That's how that's how Gina at Muddy Studio in Santa Ana. That's the studio, by the way, uh-huh. th- that I first ever learned yeah. or took pottery classes. She taught me how to center like that. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. And okay. she felt she wouldn't do that to like a guy yeah. um, or a male. Mm-hmm. But because I was female, she felt more comfortable, comfortable. Um, putting her body weight actually on mm, me. Okay. So she was behind me and. She was teaching me how to center clay because you need to understand what it feels like, like what center clay feels like. And so she uh, was teaching me the positioning of my body and what's the best way to go about that. Mm -hmm. So she kind of like pressed into my back. Mm -hmm. So her weight was like on me and I was getting a lot lower than I was positioning myself before. And uh, she put her hands on my hands in like a certain, you know, position and then um, exerted a lot of pressure, like a lot oh, more than I was doing. Yeah, and so yeah. um, she exactly. And so she able, like, you need to do. Yeah, yeah. And so she centered the clay with my hands mm-hmm. and I that's the, that's how I knew what centered clay felt oh. like. Um, changed my life i oh, was good. like oh my god i get I was it. Doing it i was doing it all wrong yeah i was like this is what it feels like <laughs> this is how to get okay. there oh, so the, yeah okay so the movie had some credibility to it i don't maybe. know if he was I teaching think. her how to center clay i don't i don't think that was his main i don't know uh, i don't think that was his uh, intent. <laughs> but that's yeah. yeah yeah but thank you thank you for you know i think it's possible lesson. you can you can absolutely teach somebody okay. by all right okay. coming up from behind <laughs> thanks joanne yeah awesome well thank you so much it was my pleasure just really walking us through ceramics i hope everyone that's been listening really got a a good grasp of you know what this really looks like and what this really means and it's not just a pretty cup that you see on a target shelf yeah there's so much more behind it there's a lot of intentionality behind these art artisan pieces yeah yeah markets or or wherever yeah look at the next time you like uh look at a cup or you're drinking coffee from a cup at a diner or like a Mm. cafe or whatever look at the shape look at the look at the bottom of the cup um look at the outline of the cup Mm. like i guess like you know like the little bottom ridge of cups we call that the foot Mm. um look at the foot and how they designed it and how the handle feels in your hand um the weight weight of it it. is it awkward because there's so many cafe cups that are awkward Mm -hmm. i've i've yet to come across a cup at a cafe like a coffee shop where um you know the the what is it the handle when it's an awkward size where it doesn't fit three fingers but doesn't it's too big for like two fingers you know what i really hate are latte cups with tiny little handles because you know how heavy it is it's like latte cups are really wide and you're there's this tiny little handle Mm -hmm. and i'm supposed to hold it how you know like it's just not and i don't want to handle there just for funsies and you know just because it looks better with a handle exactly so for me i'm like i think about all those i think about like the experience Mm -hmm. at least when i'm designing my own cups um i always like to think of what it would feel like 
using this cup. Um, and I value that over aesthetics and I think aesthetics comes second to okay. that. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah even yeah. like what it feels mm-hmm. like on your lips, cause mm-hmm. have you ever drink from yes. those cups where you drink it and I it dribbles like. all yeah. over the yep. place and yep. just it falls sucks. down the side of your mouth and yeah. onto your chin and mm-hmm. you're like, did I forget how to drink wow, from a cup yeah but guess what dude school. the designer did you wrong yeah. okay they, they did you dirty they did because you dirty. yeah <laughs> those things Get matter your money back. <laughs> <laughs> you fired <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously uh those uh, those things are all uh things to keep in mind next time you uh look at anything any yeah. cup or jar or vessel or vase or oh, bowl vessel yeah like that awesome well thanks joanna i Absolutely. learned a lot and i hope everyone else did too super excited uh, to really learn more about other creators and what they're doing yes i can't so. wait to like pick their brains ah, yes so thanks guys for tuning in i'm michelle i'm joanne and this is don't, don't take, take our, our word for it, for it. Bye, bye welcome to the fact check portion of fact our check. podcast fact check Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the fact check portion of our podcast. 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 (laughs) Well, yeah, so obviously no one, (laughs) no one responded to our call to action (laughs) from our last episode. And we still need an intro song. <laughs> well, if you guys haven't picked up already, we <laughs> clearly didn't get uh, an intro song created yet. But we're very hopeful. Yes. And so if you're calling all musicians, creative uh inventors yeah. out there. I mean, how perfect that we're in the creator series and we're asking for someone to create <laughs> our <laughs> intro music like you would forever be uh, we would we, you would be forever like emblazoned you know yeah. in our, on our podcast totally we're making history here <laughs> we're like the first korean american gals in orange county that i've heard of making a podcast i will have to fact check that but <laughs> as far as we know as far as we know as of july whatever at 7 58 the ninth it's the, the 9th, 9th of July, July, July 2019. As of as of this point, that's all. That's what I know. Mm-hmm. So yes, you're right. Please email us <laughs> at dtowpodcast at gmail.com. That's d-t-o-w podcast at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram. Yes. At dtowpodcast. Right in. Please. <laughs> please. We need it. Anyways. All right. Okay. So let's get on with our fact check. All right. Um, This is the section of the podcast mm -hmm. that we check ourselves um, about anything that we could have said wrong Mm -hmm. or could have clarified. Said better. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or maybe maybe points that we missed that we just want to bring back. Yeah. And everything in between. So. Yes. uh, We want to start with the Donald Trump tweet invitational tweet oh yes to we Kim never Jong-un. yeah we never um actually said the tweet yeah we said we were pulling it up but we never mentioned it again yeah. so mm-hmm. here we go we're pulling up the tweet that donald trump sent it was like a weird tweet it, when i read it i was like wait 
Is this like a direct? It was like some kind of like indirect passive yeah. tweet to you know what Kim rem- Jong Un. You know what it reminded me of? Uh huh. Have you like in high school you used AIM right? Yeah. AOL Instant Messenger. Totally. Like the away messages when you're oh. like, I'm here. Like, but you're trying to like get the attention of your crush. Or yeah. Something like, oh, I'm here. Attention of your crush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be here if you're there. <laughs> It felt very middle school to That's me. That's exactly what his tweet was. You want to read it? You sure. It yeah, I do. He tweeted, the real, Don- real Donald Trump said, after some very important meetings, including my meeting with President, President, President. Damn. President, President Xi of China, I will be leaving Japan for South Korea with President Moon. While there, if Chairman Kim of North Korea sees this, I would meet him at the border slash DMZ just to shake his hand and say, hello, question mark, exclamation point. Why the question mark? And the question mark is in like parentheses. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then exclamation point. I just, and then I like that he like name dropped. Yeah. He's like President Moon, uh, you know, the South Korean president. Yeah. He no. was like at President Moon uh-huh. and at President Xi. Yeah. And at chairman kim of north korea dude like my click exactly (laughs) just loop them all together in one tweet but i just thought Mm -hmm. it was so funny that it was so indirect it's like well i'm gonna be doing this and i'll be here and i'm gonna leave japan for south korea but i mean if kim jong-un sees this you know i would like uh i would meet him it's like what tense is that like you were (laughs) typing in what tense and now you've switched to i would meet him at the border is this like in hype it's a hypothetical i don't get it i don't get it some people were saying that it was like a publicity stunt yeah i feel like everything with donald trump is a publicity publicity stunt stunt. it totally is i was just listening to someone Mm -hmm. say today that they don't even like listen to the news anymore because it's only about trump and she could care less (laughs) i was like all right girl oh with that trump and news so there (laughs) he made news again specifically about his twitter let me pull this article up okay it's from new york times Uh uh-huh um was this was this recent yeah like today the ruling dropped today uh basically (laughs) the court said that trump can no longer block people from his twitter account uh because it's it 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 fringes upon their yeah. First Amendment rights. Is this people in, is this like anybody in yeah, general like on Twitter can't yeah, block? So anyone, I guess if he felt like you were being a troll or if you were hurting his feelings, right. that he could just block you. What? But <laughs> you can't because he's a political figure, like a public figure. Does this mean he's been blocking people I, prior? I guess so. I mean, I guess when he was, you know, um, a celebrity you know yeah before he was the you know that's like i guess that's different in the world yeah but you're president i know so you are like the public yeah, figure like if anything your job description is like a public a public servant, servant the public servant like the like yeah, with capital, capital t <laughs> so let me read this real quick okay this is from new york times president trump trump has been violating the constitution by blocking people from following his Jeez. twitter account because they criticized or mocked him. A federal appeals court ruled on Tuesday, so today. The ruling could have broader implications for how the First Amendment applies to the social media era. And then the article continues on, but... Dang. It's crazy to me that this went to federal court. Yeah. This went to federal court. Dang. Who took this to federal court? I mean, like, from day one, I, I... 
if I was Trump's like PR uh-huh. manager, I would have just blocked him from using Twitter altogether. And I just, know. Like gave that like go like use a ghost writer. Yeah. To pretend to be Donald Trump and make it'll his be posts. real Donald Trump with quotation marks. <laughs> the re- real <laughs> Donald Trump. Well, that's Dang. enough Trump news for today. Yeah. Uh, there are actually, there's a lot more. I mean, with the whole, sen- you know, the, what is a census 2020? Yeah. There's a lot of uproar, which I, me too, where I'm like, this is so racist, but. Yeah. Anyways. We, we can, can talk yeah, more yeah, about that when, at a different time. Yeah, yeah. But, but totally, dude, we can talk for, about Trump for days. <laughs> anyways, anyways, to fact check yes. ourselves for this <laughs> episode, um, I feel like the fact checks are mostly on my end. Um, this is Joanne, if you guys couldn't recognize. <laughs> um, but I will be fact checking just some things and clarifying some things that I've mentioned in the podcast. Um, just mostly uh, factual stuff regarding um, ceramics. So I did talk about temperature ranges mm-hmm. um in regards to clay yeah. when we were talking about types of clay because i remember you asking me like what kind of clay do you like to work with i don't know if i ever really answered that question you said like you typically work with like mid-range i do i do but, but if i were to have a preference yeah. i think i think i do like um i do like mid-fire clay so i think what i've been saying is mid-range mm-hmm. and <laughs> i guess the correct terminology would be mid-fire, mid-fire. Um, so I think I do like mid fire clay because I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. And most of the times mid fire clay, it, it's pretty plastic as in it's very easy to work with. Okay. <clears throat> what so, are some clays that are in that range? Um, so it just all, it's typically stoneware. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a mid, uh, mid fire stoneware. Is, is the one that you just pulled out of the kiln? That today oh yeah so i i showed austin and michelle uh some things that came out of the kiln this morning um those are all mid-fire clays mm. yeah i like them i know they're really cute i liked how they turned out but um yeah so there are temperature ranges that uh, we typically need to be aware of as we're doing firings and as we're um, using certain clays so in ceramics we use uh, a measurement called cone to refer to temperature ranges um, or certain temperatures. Um, And cone is basically a measure of heat work. So it's a measure of heat over time. So um, for example, if you're putting like an ice cube into like a pot of boiling water, the ice, it doesn't melt instantly, right? It takes a little bit of time, like just a bit of time to eventually turn into water and melt. Um, So in that sense, it's kind of a measure of that. It's like heat over time um it's also kind of like a measure of energy and so um where it originated from excuse me where cone originated from is actually from uh this like little piece of material that bends over um when it hits a certain temperature and so this is before like pyrometers or thermocouples were invented like they would use mercury in thermometers to measure temperatures like you know the red little liquid yes. in like those and it like moves up or mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. shoots up right top. Yeah. so that's like mercury but 
mercury explodes at 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. And so when you're doing firings for ceramics, Mm -hmm. you're going above 2000 degrees and they needed to figure out a way to measure temperatures higher than that with something else. And so this guy invented pyrometric cones, um, which measure the heat. So when we turn, we talk about cones that range from low fire all the way to high fire. Low fire would be like cone 06 to 04. Um, it makes more sense when you're looking at this on like a chart, but it, low fire would be cones 06 to 04. That's like 1,828 degrees to about like 1945 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, Mid fire which is what I work with, would be cone five to six. So I work with cone five to six clays and glazes um, that are specified for those temps. So that could be anywhere from 2167 degrees Fahrenheit to 2232 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then lastly, uh, there's high fire, which goes anywhere from cone eight all the way to cone 10. Cone 10 would be considered the type of uh, temperature that we hit at school with our gas kilns. Um, that is like a very, very high temperature. It's like 2280 to like 2345 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. So um, I know that you asked me what type of clays like do I like to work with. Mm-hmm. I like to work with mid-fire clays because they are the clays that are most accessible to me to be working with mm-hmm. at, like at home. But the one high-fire clay that I do like working with um, just overall that trumps, I think, every clay that I've worked mm-hmm. with has to be um, high fire porcelain. Mm. Yeah, that porcelain is beautiful. It's like so pure. There's this uh, porcelain that you can get from Aardvark, like this uh, Santa Ana, um, like, what is it called? Like tools slash material store mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. ceramics. Um, they have this porcelain called Coleman porcelain and it is so pure and so beautiful when it's fired to cone 10 it's like white as can be Mm. and it's almost glass like when you touch it um and people really like working with that it's actually really expensive too it's one of their most expensive clays so yeah just kind of do a little fact check on cones and temperature ranges there yeah it's very very hot yeah very hot all right and then just to clarify like the three types of clays that we went over Mm -hmm. um we i mentioned porcelain earthenware and stoneware and those are basically the three groups of clays that you can work with um in porcelain, I said it was like a very pure type of clay. Um, and I said that I didn't really know what like the molecular makeup of mm-hmm. porcelain is. I don't know what the molecular makeup right. is, but I do know like the main ingredient in porcelain is kaolin. That's spelled K-A-O-L-I-N. Um, and that's the purest form of clay that you can get. Um, and porcelain is typically really high in kaolin content. Wow. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just minerals? It's a type of mineral. mineral. Yeah, yeah. So um, this type of porcelain um, is like the highest grade clay that you can get. Super uh, durable and vitreous. And vitreous was the word that I was looking for, um, but I just couldn't recall. Mm-hmm. But vitreous means it ha- doesn't have any pores and um, it doesn't... It, won't absorb any kind of water so it's completely like solid Mm -hmm. all the way through yeah and so for earthenware just to clarify what that was um it 
actually is the earliest type of clay used by potters back in the day. Um, and it's the most most common type of clay found. Um, it's really high in iron content, which is why um, like terracotta is an example of like earthenware clay. Mm. Um, so it'll be really red or brown or orange. And those will be like the tones of um, clay that you find that are mostly earthenware. There are some that are kind of gray and whitish. Um, I have seen pictures of like really, really old pottery that is like white earthenware mm -hmm. or like kind of like a bone white earthenware. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it's like too common. What about like those um, those terracotta warriors in China? Yeah. So I think those are like earthenware. Yeah. Just like they really I think they are made out of terracotta. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So earthenware won't be fired to super high temperatures. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're like low fire clays, which means they're going to be more porous and less durable than other clays. But um, this could be advantageous because this is why you see a lot of those like planters that are made out of that terracotta kind oh, of yeah. clay. Like what we think of. When we yes. Think when of you terracotta. think of like a, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and water actually seeps through that eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of want that when you With have plants. plants. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there's like pros and cons to it, oh. depending on what you use it for. Real quick, though, I just mm -hmm. want to throw in some history yeah you know how we were talking about mesopotamia in our last episode yeah um so i was reading that the the wheel yeah that you would you know do your ceramics on yeah was supposedly invented in mesopotamia like originated in mesopotamia that is what i read that's super interesting <laughs> you know what's really interesting about that is that i learned i don't know my professor was saying that you can't really like pinpoint where the wheel like the potter's wheel was invented because like it was happening all over the world like the phenomenon uh. phenomenon of like doing pottery and like doing pottery on a wheel was happening in so many different places in the world around the same like time periods that you can't really like pinpoint oh, where it originated okay, from. Okay, that makes sense. But I guess Mesopotamia is like pretty uh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it was it was a long time ago yeah. and I don't know. Maybe they'll just uh, if you're Mesopotamian and you have some sort of ties, you can can come forward <laughs> yeah. and claim, claim your right. Please do. <laughs> anyway, yeah. no, well, but totally yeah, that. So we don't really that is interesting. Know, I would I would believe you, but I'm also kind of like, well, that's only one part of the world right. that people keep track of certain records. That's true. I don't know. Our certain records survive. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, all right. So last but not least, uh, stoneware. Uh, stoneware can be mid-fire clays or high-fire clays. Um, and they typically could be any kind of color between like grays or browns. Um, I've seen ones that are closer to white, mm -hmm. but not quite white. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, very like natural, neutral looking colors. And the colors that of the fired clays, they do range um, quite a bit depending on the type of firing that you do. Okay. So um, mentioning the types of firing, um, I said in the podcast, like types of kilns, um, which was not what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. I meant like dif different types of firings. Um, so yeah, there are different types of kilns for sure. And there are kiln designs that are 
better suited for certain firings mm-hmm. over others. Um, but I think I meant different types of firings. So like soda firings or wood firings, salt firings, raku firings, mm-hmm. oxidation reduction. These are all types of firings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So these firings just are different depending on what fuels it or when you add certain things during the firing process. So wood firing, I said, yeah, it's fueled by wood instead of like gas, for example. Um, And from that, you'll get like a very natural, um, organic looking finish to the surface of the pottery. Mm -hmm. Um, Another example I gave was soda firing. So what that is, is I, I think it's baking soda or like you throw soda ash into like into um like an opening in the kiln Mm -hmm. when it hits a certain temperature so that um when it comes out it's like flashed with like orange or like a certain color yeah it's really interesting interesting. Mm -hmm. same thing with salt firings you throw in um, sodium chloride or like salt uh, at a certain point when it hits a certain temperature and then when it hits the surface of the the pottery there will be like this flashing that occurs and it literally looks like um a bolt of like color on there like orange yellow red so Mm -hmm. you throw the salt or the soda Uh uh-huh into into the fire where your your product your your Mm -hmm, cup mm -hmm. or whatever it is in there yeah you probably don't want to do that with an electric kiln Mm -hmm. that has a lid that opens from the top you probably want to do this with like a bigger kiln that opens from this like there's an open something you can pull out as an opening on the side yeah yeah okay um you'll typically like pull out like a brick or something yeah. so that there's a smaller opening Ooh, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool yeah there's also something called like a raku firing mm-hmm. a raku mm-hmm. firings are really cool no idea what that is. um Zero. basically you take out the piece from your kiln when it's like orange blazing hot oh. and then you put it inside like this controlled atmosphere okay. Um, so usually it's like a tin, you know, like those tin trash cans, Mm -hmm. um, you throw it in there and inside you could have like wood chips or like just a bunch of different newspapers or some kind of combustible Mm -hmm. item and you throw it in there and then you cover it with like a lid, like a metal trash can lid. Yeah. I'm literally thinking of a trash can. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally a trash can. So you do that and you let it, the whole thing burn out. Um, and then once it's done burning out, you can pull it out and just wash it off and it'll look, you can have like a metallic surface, um, wherever the, like you apply the glaze yeah. or wherever there is no glaze, um, the surface will turn like completely black. Whoa. So you can play with those designs. Yeah. And it's cool. Um, and then there's things called like oxidation and reduction and mm-hmm. oxidation is basically, um, when you let oxidation into the kiln, the firing, um, so that oxygen is free to interact with like the glazes while it's firing yeah and when you let that much oxygen in at a certain point you can get really cool like bright rich colors from that technique Mm -hmm. um and then reduction is kind of like the opposite where you at a certain point like block off all points of oxygen coming into the fire and so you get more like rich model muddy like mottled earthy colors um you get a lot more speckles from iron um from within the clay mm-hmm. too in a re- in a reduction atmosphere mm-hmm. so there those are just different examples of like firings or types of techniques you can use when you're firing yeah. to get like certain effects it reminds yeah. me of like my chemistry teacher uh-huh. he would he would always do these weird like pyro tricks yeah with, like, different cuz we're learning about the elements wait did you go to sunny hills no oh dang 
Okay, like, I was your, like, did you do that too? Yeah. Like, he would do like these, like he would make like pink fire and like yeah. blue fire. My teacher like, like put fire in his hand. Yeah. Like, I, I, I forgot what his name was, but he was the coolest chemistry teacher. But he like, he did something where he went, he stuck his hand out and like fire yeah. came out of it. And all of us were like, oh my God. <laughs> I love my chemistry teacher. I gave him a really hard time, but <laughs> he's so funny. He's yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, Mr. Trimborn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, okay. So I also mentioned um, how clay shrinks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, clay shrinks in both drying and in firing. Mm. So um, I threw out like a percentage. I said like 14%. 14. That was a pretty accurate percentage, actually. Um, but to be even more uh, accurate, mm-hmm. I would say that different clay bodies shrink at different rates. So it could range from anywhere between like 4% to as much as 15%. That's a lot. 15%. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is like both in drying and firing mm-hmm. um, and different clay bodies like shrink differently too. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you have to kind of watch out for that when you're <laughs> working with certain things. Right. Like you were saying how initially when you were first starting off, you're like, this is a good size. And yeah. After you pulled it out of the fire, you're like, oh, this is really small. Yeah. Like for babies. Yeah. And you know what I realized that I really, really need to start doing is mm-hmm. taking down like lab notes, like for my firings and keeping track of it. I should have been doing this already and taking my firing notes, but I haven't been. Hey. I mean, I've just been eyeballing stuff mm-hmm. and going by like memory, but taking notes of your firings and your results is the way to go. There you go. Yeah. There you go, everybody some tips notes 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 yeah um and then last but not least at least on my end uh something that i mentioned was like you know how i said a certain at a certain point um water and as i was looking for the word it wasn't evaporates Mm -hmm. so what i was trying to say was the boiling point of water Mm -hmm. is 212 degrees fahrenheit so if you hit that temperature too quickly um the formation of steam within like your clay body where that liquid is still, it will burst um, because it's evaporating too quickly. Uh, So you need to hit 212, like to get there, you need to get there really slowly. And this is when you're doing the first firing called the bisque firing. So you're going from raw clay to like the first like hardened stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like a really crucial, I feel like firing process where you want to take more time than, than not, um, versus the glaze firing, everything is already kind of dry. Mm -hmm. And so if you really want to do a quick firing, um, I feel like the fastest one I've got in recently was like nine hours, which is not bad. Fastest? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fastest nine hours. Yeah. 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 Fastest like nine hours for a firing is pretty fast. Yeah. That means that, that yeah that means I hit what temp oh uh, like twenty one sixty seven like right around Dang. there that means I hit two thousand one hundred sixty seven degrees in like nine hours That's crazy yeah which doesn't sound crazy but it is pretty freaking hot That's like pretty hot I mean like I don't when you look you through the peephole like <laughs> it's orange what did in you there. say you the, the boiling point of water was two hundred and twelve. So we're at 212, which that's what it takes to boil water. Water, and now yeah. we're at 2100. What did you say? 2167. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, big <laughs> jump. So. Big jump. 
I don't. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to imagine. That's how like ten that times is. hotter, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's basically all I have for you on mm-hmm. my end for fact checks. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, lots of uh, lots of numbers, lots of chemistry, lots of information. Lots but of it's info. really interesting, right? Like yeah. once you kind of get into this, you're like, oh yeah. And for me, like listening to all all of this, yeah, what makes me think is. Uh, like how many times people had to like redo and like really get it right. Yeah. You know, to, to even give us like this most simplest white mug. Right. You know, like how, like there had to be on so many different trials and error, trials and error. Yeah. And like who thinks to throw soda, like baking soda into a kiln? Like, I know who does that? some crazy, crazy person, person that knew like some sort oh. of like home ec chem like chemistry yeah i don't know it's just really fascinating like Who that knew? is like salt too like yeah. oh yeah like why I'm not throw, throw some pepper in there I'm, they probably threw a bunch <laughs> of things like paprika i'm gonna throw this in there i'm gonna throw whatever my my hair people clippings. throw coffee beans in there like there was a classmate <laughs> of mine i remember my professor telling us about this how you can literally make like ash and like some people threw like hot cheetos in there wow before Truly. yeah and the so contemporary truly the contemporary, contemporary potter yeah. of, of, you know, of ceramics <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness i hot know cheetos. i would buy that cup <laughs> that <laughs> has like are, hot cheetos ash yeah, on it i would be like you guys don't even know this was made from hot cheeto ashes <laughs> that's actually really interesting i want to like throw different kinds of hot cheetos in there like the trader joe's brand yeah. Oh, yeah. versus yeah. like the actual i feel like the more processed it is probably the more colors i know right <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, <laughs> the more plastic, like it doesn't melt anymore. You're like, oh, there's just chunks of Tachitos. Yeah. It's not like organic matter anymore. <laughs> cool. But yeah, no. Um, yeah. A classmate of mine, like he kind of took that and ran with it and he threw in so many different kinds of things. He threw in like coffee beans. He threw in the hot Cheetos. He threw in like oh, some other kind of like herb and just random, random yeah, things. Please ask him to do tahin next because I love tahin. <laughs> see what happens and go come to that yeah totally cool well that's all we have for you today guys yeah thanks for listening uh we have a really fun episode coming up yes our next episode is gonna be so much fun so you guys get her better uh get ready for an adventure oh is this a a close yeah. Are we gonna be like role playing, Michelle? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <gasps> we'll see. We'll Stay see. tuned. <gasps> but until next time, I'm Joanne and I'm Michelle, and this is Don't, don't Take Our Word for it. it. Bye. Bye. Guys. <laughs>